Today with us, we have Dr. Kent Reynolds. Dr. Reynolds brings expertise in human behavior, in addition, knowledge and experience in organizational leadership. Because of this, he is able to not only speak to effective leadership techniques, but the even more important internal raw material of effective leaders. Because he has worked with multiple population groups around the world, he is able to bring extensive cross-cultural awareness to his approach to leadership development. Welcome. Thank you, sir. It's an honor to be with you. It is also our honor to have you here with, uh, with us. Uh, great uh, experience, great CV, and uh, definitely uh, quite interesting things to talk about and to, to share with uh, the people who are watching our podcast. So let's jump quickly because I was really looking forward to that uh, conversation and this episode with you. As was I. Can you have talked extensively about the raw material of effective leaders? How did you came up to this point? I mean, were you before that and what inspired you to, to dive to it? Okay. If I may give you a little background, a historical perspective, uh, you can probably tell I've been around a while. So I, uh, <laughs> I have seen the, the change in how leadership was approached over the years. Um, and it, it, as, as modern society became more egalitarian, more focused on equity, the leadership uh, portion of that did the same. And we got into a place where everyone is a leader and all people can be leaders. I personally have not found that to be the case. I have, uh, the basis of that argument was I think that leadership is, for them, defined as techniques, as a set of techniques that you implement and that everyone can be taught these techniques and can do them successfully. I have not found that to be the case. Mm -hmm. um, raw material, you have to start with the raw material. You can't build a wall out of whipped cream. <laughs> you, there, there has to be some natural instincts, some natural abilities it doesn't mean that techniques aren't important. It doesn't mean the training isn't important. But those raw materials have to be there. And uh, for example, um, how are the, you, you look at an individual? How are they under pressure? How do they work under? Now you can teach some of that, but a lot of that is instinctive. Um, leadership to the very definition of leadership for me is more than the implementation of uh, implementation of authority by command but rather persuasion the that innate ability to unite people to uh, around a common vision and move them forward so that was the biggest change for me and I, and i realized that one of the most important things in leadership is spotting talent spotting those natural abilities in individuals and then taking them and cultivating them. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's that's where that came from. Uh, yeah, and we can go over the individual raw materials, but I think you've got the basis of it now. 
Absolutely. I would love to, to jump on the individual raw material, but uh, it is um, it's quite interesting to talk a few words on where you come from. Uh, I mean, it was very impressive when uh, we first met and started talking that you told me that you started as a pastor. <laughs> and I told you then, as soon as I mentioned that, the entire uh, conversation seems to change with people. Uh, yes, I was for many years. My my background was a Protestant Christian pastor, and uh, I, I will tell you two things that 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 my experience there taught me as far mm -hmm. as leadership. First of all, I had a church that grew exponentially and very quickly. Okay, and I'm not telling you that to impress you. I'm saying that there that uh, <laughs> that there were a couple of things that I learned in that. One was we had to scramble. We had to stay ahead of that growth. Mm -hmm. uh, we were creating departments. We were hiring staff. We had to uh, change the entire way we handled finances, forecasting, reporting, uh, training staff, training lay people, uh, HR policies, strategic planning. All of these had to be implemented mm -hmm. very quickly. And, and that was largely my task to make sure that those uh, components were being done, were being done well, that we were assembling teams of people who could handle them. So it was uh, on-the-job business training, on-the-job organizational leadership training. Very valuable for me. Uh, and the, one of the biggest lessons uh, for corporate leaders, organizational leaders, you have got to be able to stay ahead of the growth. Your skills, your abilities have got to expand as your organization grows. Otherwise, you'll stop that growth. The, the second thing that I learned from my pastoral days was how to genuinely care for people. Mm. And I am adamant that that, is, that should not be uh, resigned to religious circles. <laughs> I think genuine care for people should permeate all leadership, all corporate life. Uh, and, and again, Genuine care for people is not a technique. You can't technique people. Uh, I mean, there are ways of doing it. I mean, there are practices. There are best practices that can be implemented. But it has to start, again, with that raw material of having a heart that genuinely cares for people. And as you know, uh, it's, it's uh, difficult to follow a leader that doesn't care for his or her people. And you know that, and I think we all do, but a leader that genuinely cares for the people in their charge, those people will follow them anywhere. And uh, that's when it becomes very dynamic. It is amazing what you, you share here, because I can identify at least two important things of nowadays. The one is the cognitive diversity. That means that uh, the, the different perspectives on what we talk about is quite critical and by saying this please let me ask you what made you decide to jump from the pastor to the corporate environment what was that thing that uh, made you realize that okay uh, the corporate environment is uh, my calling your calling i mean i would say leadership is my calling in in whatever form corporate uh nonprofit, what whatever it may be so after my uh, days as a pastor, I left, I, I, here's how I approached it. 
I had uh, I, I had been in a pastor for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know what does the next 20 years of leadership look like? Okay. I know what the past 20 years look like. Th- things are changing rapidly. Uh, and so I left and uh, wanted to immerse myself in the literature on mm-hmm. leadership. Uh, you can't do that when you're working. You can read some things and tune up a little, but I wanted to be immersed. So I went into a doctoral program uh, in advanced leadership, mm-hmm. an international program, and uh, immersed myself in leadership material. Great stuff. It was amazing the things that are out there that people have uh, produced, cutting-edge stuff. Uh, and then uh, I, I realized that it became really clear to me that success in an organization was largely dependent on on its leadership, right. not entirely. But uh, and so I I found my own, I, I founded my own company uh, that was doing international leadership development uh, around the world, mostly in developing countries. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you something interesting about that. I don't know if I should say this publicly or not, but <laughs> what the heck? I found that uh, in many settings, and especially in the in developing countries, a little bit of leadership training produced huge results, more than in some other settings. If I if you understand what I'm what I'm getting at, uh, I, I would I would I worked in East Africa, for instance. Mm-hmm. And I would do leadership training for community leaders, government officials, uh, you name it. They would sit there for hours. I mean, literally hours soaking up this, what to us are very basic leadership principles. And mm-hmm. I thought, my goodness, this is uh, exciting. So I, I founded my company and was doing that exclusively. And then uh was asked to uh, start a new leadership development program for a U.S. political organization. So I'm trying to answer your question. I think what made me jump from, you know, the religious work to the corporate world was uh, I didn't think as I looked at corporate leadership from a limited perspective, clearly a limited perspective, but not totally in the dark, I, I felt like Leadership could be improved uh, greatly, mm-hmm. and, and so that was really my motivation to really try to focus more on corporate leadership, helping leaders do what they do better. Amazing. So this brought us to the, to the second part of uh, the, uh, the beginning and the question on what uh, was that inspired you to dive into this raw material. And uh, by the way, uh, before you promised that you will jump on the individuals raw materials. So what's going on there? Yes. Um, okay. I start with what I call inner strength. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say that, I don't mean a strength that's boorish or oppressive or authoritative, but someone who knows who they are, they know their abilities. They don't have to prove them to others. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really important. Um, courage. Courage is very <laughs> Uh, especially when we get into areas like volatility and complexity and uncertainty and ambiguity. Uh, it's uh, when things are flying around and it's very difficult and you've got to sort them out. You've got to be, you have to be, there has to be an element of courage. Can ter- courage be taught? Mm, 
Not sure. I don't think so. I think there's a that's an innate quality. That's why certain leaders uh, ride. And, and in your own experience in the military, you've seen that some of the best leaders aren't necessarily in leadership positions. The people follow them because they're courageous. Um, staying power. Do you understand what I mean by staying power? Someone who won't cut and run when it gets hard. Um, they, they, they're going to hang in there and they're going to work through it. Um, someone who, we're talking about raw materials here, someone who can legitimately celebrate the success of others. Mm -hmm. They really, they can rejoice when others succeed and they don't have to be the center of attention. Uh, the ability to admit when you're wrong. That's just so important. That is so important with leaders. Uh, a genuine care for others. A genuine care for people. Again, that's not a technique that begin. There are techniques in which that can be implemented, but uh, that starts with a heart for people. And all of that, all of those <laughs> raw materials bathed in humility. I think humility is probably the most important virtue. Uh, in athletics, we call it coachability. Mm -hmm. Is this person coachable? Can the, you know, and, and humility goes a long way with me. And uh, I think it goes a long way with uh, a, a really effective leader. So there you go. Those are the, those are some of the basic building blocks of effective leaders in my mind. It's impressive. Quite, uh, quite um, um, American, let's say. Is it? Yeah. In what um, way? How would you say that? <clears throat> You know, uh, we, we are used with, uh, with uh, the American movies, uh, with uh, leaders that are courageous. The, the, the last Top Gun, for example. It was quite <laughs> interesting. So Is that a bad thing? Not really. Does Not it translate? Do you believe it, it translates to other cultures? Hmm. It reflects. But not sure on, uh, on what... Um, Certain percentage, let's say, or how deep, and of course, it's something that has to do with uh, uh, with the cultural things. But uh, yeah, I I agree. Okay, very good. A lot of interesting things just to uh, navigate a bit and to scratch the uh, uh, the raw material. I'm pretty sure that uh, there are a lot of things that we can dig deeper and uh, hopefully we will have a chance to go further in uh, the next episode because I'm curious for the next thing that uh, I have read, uh, he wrote a piece uh, entitled The Three C's of Corporate Change. What are those three C's? And uh, at the end, why they are important to companies waiting to, uh, that want to change their culture? I have found in working with companies and organizations that so often change initiatives fail. In fact, there was an article in uh, Forbes back in 2017, I believe it was, that indicated that most, uh, as much as 70% of corporate change initiatives fail. And that they attributed it to uh, change fatigue, that employees were hearing, you know, new kind of new paradigms too often. And so mm -hmm. they didn't take it seriously. I think that may be a, a contributing factor. What I have found is the, the three things that are necessary, commitment, courage, and consistency. Commitment, 
courage, and consistency. One, uh, to make a, a fundamental change in corporate culture. I'm not talking about just overlay, uh, overlaying uh, something on the existing culture, but the, to go to the deep roots of culture, it's not easy. We're talking about practices and patterns of behavior, lines of authority that have been ingrained sometimes for years. Mm -hmm. And you can't just change that uh, in a whim. It takes, it takes a while for it to become embedded in the behaviors and attitudes of the employees. So you have to be committed, first of all. It, it can't be a passing fancy or a whim. Uh, a senior leader who says, oh, I want to do a, a change uh, initiative and they hire people to do the change, but there's no real commitment to it. Okay. And it has to be long-term and it has to be for as long as it takes, whatever it takes. So you mean for the, the repetitiveness? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, yes. Um, and it, everybody has to buy in. Um, I, I've seen corporate leaders initiate change, a change management initiative, but then don't they pay very little attention to it themselves. They, they don't follow it up. It's not a priority for them. And so it goes nowhere. <clears throat> they think, well, I've hired that out. I've got a team working on it. So, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to think about it, but change starts at the top. It, it's, and ha and has to be consistent. Uh, and I'll get to consistency in a minute. But it starts with a courageous assessment of the existing culture. Courageous. Mm -hmm. And the reason I call it courageous, nobody likes to be told that they're not doing things well. <laughs> Corporate leaders don't like problems. They want everything happy. They want everything running well. And so it can be disheartening to find out that some of the things you think are effective aren't in terms of the rank and file of your employees. And so you have to have the courage to really look in the mirror, to do a real genuine, deep-rooted assessment of your corporate culture. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Uh, again, I've seen it so many times where a company will hire a firm, yeah. uh, another company, to come in and do a survey. And they do a survey and they get the results and... Uh, I'm not making light of that. I don't, I don't want anybody to misunderstand, but there are surveys and then there are surveys. There are surveys who, it all depends on how it's constructed, mm -hmm. asking the right questions, all of that. But, it, but a genuine assessment of a company has to be quantitative and qualitative. Now, that's, those are two classic research terms. The quantitative you can get, you can get numbers from a well-devised, honest survey. You can. But you get a whole lot more talking to your people. And, th and this is where it gets tricky. Uh, senior leaders have got to get out of their offices. They've got to go to where people are working, create a safe environment <laughs> where people can speak freely and they will tell you what's going on. <clears throat> and uh, if, if, a, if senior leaders are courageous enough to make those efforts, mm -hmm. gathering small groups of their employees, uh, they'll find out in a hurry what's working and what's not. But again, they have got to encourage those employees to speak freely. Now, here's something that's really interesting. If, 
and, and I've seen this so often, if there's a problem somewhere in a company, maybe there's a, a team leader or a manager that is not up to the task. Yeah. Everybody in that group knows it. They all know it. You ask any of them, but somehow that never floats, finds its way up to the senior levels. Mm -hmm. Or even if it does, they don't have the courage to, to deal with it. And so people just rock, uh, you know, kind of rock along. There's a, there's a, a saying that I find quite true and you've seen it. Uh, people don't leave jobs. They leave bad managers. <clears throat> and there's, there's really truth to that. And so that courageous assessment of really what's going on and what steps need to be taken to improve that culture, that's where the courage comes in. The last of the three C's is consistency. Mm -hmm. uh, if, your company, if your employees are getting one message one day, and another message another day, or they're getting one message from senior leadership, but a different from their area managers, mm -hmm. or if they're seeing change messaging, but then they see their leaders acting in a way contrary to that, it's, it's done. Yeah. So it has to be consistent throughout the organization. Every, uh, every communication, every action has to be consistent with those patterns that you're trying to achieve until it becomes embedded in the culture. And the last thing I'll say is uh, when, if you do a, a, a comprehensive change of culture in an organization, there will be a change of personnel. There will. There will be people who will leave because things are changing and they were very comfortable the way it used to be. But then you will also attract really great talent who are looking for the kind of culture you're building. Mm -hmm. So there will be an accompanying change of personnel uh, when you do a change of culture. There you go. <laughs> Regarding the, the courage you, um, you talked, I keep, I'm, I'm giving notes by the time that you, that you talk. And I hear you. you saying that the leaders need to go down to the employees and uh, courageously start hearing them in order uh, with courage to, uh, and in the safe environment, yep. to find out what is going on there um, in order to start the change, the procedure to, to the change. But yes. what, 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 according to your experience, is going on with, let's say, with the reporting systems? Because when we talk to leaders and we're asking them, okay, what do you have a reporting system? Yes, we have. So it is there. So the employees can report what they, uh, they would like to, uh, in order to uh, this message to go to the leaders. So what, according to your experience is going on to with the, uh, with the reporting systems. And the other question is, when does the, um, when does these leaders understand that they need to change this? What it what it works works. You've asked a great question because we're not just talking about theory now. We're talking about on the ground uh, practice. Yeah. L let me respond in a couple of ways. Most companies have reporting systems. Uh, the question is. Do the employees know who's on the other end of that report? 
Do you, uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, if, if I initiate this, what's going to happen? Um, will it go immediately to my manager? And then that manager has an issue with me? Uh, does it just go into a hole somewhere <laughs> and nobody looks at it? You know, who's on the other end of this? That's very important. Um, and, and, that, and, and employees have to be assured uh, of the whole process. If you report, for example, here is what's going to happen. Here's where it goes. Here's yep. who sees it. Here's how we'll deal with it. That has to be, the whole process has to be clear. Um, if I'm an employee and uh, maybe I need this job and uh, my issue is with my manager, my team leader, I'm going to be very reluctant to say something. Mm-hmm. Now, let, let, let me pause for a second. <laughs> Wise leaders will be able to uh, distinguish between an employee that's just not happy for who knows why mm-hmm. and something that's systemic mm-hmm. you understand and and you've got to be able to discern the difference between mm-hmm. somebody that's just spouting off and they don't like because they didn't get this or they didn't get that or or something that really has to be dealt with and again wise leaders create systems where that can be identified uh, but that reporting system is very important. The other issue is we're, we're not talking about machines here. We're talking about human beings, human beings with feelings, human beings with egos. Uh, there are complex interactions. Uh, again, I go back to the to the one of the primary issues I see in, in companies are people who are in management positions who don't belong there. I see that over and over and over. But the people under them, the people in their team, uh, do they feel like that there will there be repercussions if they say something? So again, when we talk corporate culture, that reporting system has got to be safe. It's got to be legitimate. It's got to be honorable. And, uh, and the whole process has got to be laid out. So if an employee speaks up, he or she knows exactly what's going to happen and how it will be handled. And they won't, there won't be repercussions. They won't be penalized. And uh, uh, that's not easy to do, but I think that's how it works. Have you seen any case, any customer of yours, let's say, having this um, culture or mindset or to be on, on the procedure to, to build and to um, to streamline the, um, this, uh, this cultural environment? I have not seen one where that system was articulated as clearly. Now, let me say this. We have to talk about scale. Mm-hmm. And scale is very important in this. It is easier in a smaller company yeah. than in a larger one because mm-hmm. larger ones, the processes are different. But again, Here's where complexity comes in. Uh, it, it, in a larger corporation, it may be much more complex to initiate a system like that, but that doesn't mean complexity shouldn't put you out of the game. I have not honestly seen where the culture is so healthy that people, well, I shouldn't say that. I did have one, it was an IT company. Mm-hmm. 
it was structured very differently than the kind of uh, uh, traditional corporate structure we're used to. It was uh, very loose. Uh, the um, offices were open. Uh, people worked together. There was a lot of flow. There wasn't uh, uh, managers didn't work separate. Uh, I have seen that a little more healthy. Uh, but th their reporting system in that particular instance was much more verbal. It wasn't formal. It was you just walked over to the person and <laughs> or you call the person or you, you know, you went into another building, a very loose kind of structure. Uh, but I'm talking about kind of the traditional corporate structure where you have chains of command and uh, and an org uh, chart. So, awesome. yeah. Your experience, what is the biggest mistake companies make that limits their growth uh, and uh, prosperity? I've, I've already alluded to it. Um, putting people in management positions that don't belong there. Okay, and what is the solution there? It's difficult. <clears throat> Uh, it really is because uh, of the whole concept of promotion, mm -hmm. upward mobility, and that's important in any uh, endeavor. You take someone who's very good in sales and they excel in their sales. And, and the only way to move that person up is to put them in a, you know, perhaps manage a sales team. Well, mm -hmm. just because you're good in sales does not mean you're good with people. And, man and managing people is an entirely different paradigm. So what I've seen, the mistake that I've seen is that companies will go ahead and promote that person, put them in charge of others. And when it starts not working out, they take that person or persons and start doing management training with them. All right. This is what actually led me to the whole concept of raw materials. So what they do, they take this person who may or may not be capable of leading others mm -hmm. and they start hanging techniques on them. You know, you do this, you do that. And so you, what comes out, first of all, does that person, who, uh, that manager, do they take it seriously? Uh, I was, I saw one company where they realized they had a problem in that kind of mid-level management. Mm -hmm. And so they brought in a company and they did uh, extensive management training. When I talked to some of those managers, it was unbelievable what they were saying. They were rolling their eyes and they said, oh, yeah, I listen to it while I'm doing other things. Uh, yeah, I just checked the box. I went through it. I don't know how good it was, yada, yada. And I thought, my goodness, that company just wasted a lot of time and money trying to train people to be good managers who don't have the capacity for it. So again, um, uh, leadership is more than simply the implementation of techniques. So what does a company do? And, and this is something that I have, I think I'm starting to, as I look at how I can help, mm -hmm. is teaching companies how to spot management talent. To be on the lookout for people who have that kind of leadership capability and uh, what do you look for? And, you know, uh, I go back to <laughs> go back to raw materials. <laughs> I didn't realize I was going to talk so much about that today. But, it, uh, you know, if you've got a if you let's just say you've got 20 people on your team. <clears throat> 
look at them as more than just uh, their particular task. Who has potential? Who has, who who is who does out of that twenty? Are there are there is it an individual or two that people kind of naturally gravitate towards? Not just because of their personality, but because of their wisdom, because of their commitment. Uh, the, the things they say make sense. Um, they seem to know what they're doing. That see that's you've got somebody there. You don't want to let that person kind of languish uh, for me. I think that person needs to be taken out of there and really developed as a future uh, leader, manager, whatever. But again, it takes people on the ground at that base level being attuned to and um, able to spot who the talent for, you know, where is the talent for leadership? Because uh, it may not be obvious. Uh, and again, I'm sure in your military uh, experience, you've had uh, people in your unit or other units, and they were just they were natural leaders, and you knew it from the, from day one. They had that ability. Uh, I hope you saw people like that. And uh, uh, they don't come around every day. Those are those are valuable assets that need to be taken and and uh, encouraged and. But, but let me say one more thing before we move on to your next topic. Let's say I'm a manager and I have 20 people on my team. And am I going to be, am I going to have the ego strength <laughs> to, to look at someone on my team and notify up the chain of command, hey, we've got someone here that's future leader. That person may rise more quickly than me. Mm -hmm. Am I going to be willing <laughs> to speak? Do, do you see where I'm going? This is where the human nature, human factor really comes in. Uh, I would hope that that manager would have the ego strength to say, I, I've got somebody on my team that's really, they've got, there's something to them. And I want to, I want to, I want them taken out and trained. And, and if they rise higher than me, then, hey, that's great. I'm happy for them which goes back to one of those raw materials. Can they genuinely celebrate the success of others? So there you go. <laughs> great uh, um, words for, it sounds like you, like you sound like a visionary. The leader to go to the senior and say that, okay, that this is better than um, yeah. me, at least for now to come up with quite, quite interesting approach. Um, <laughs> I would love to to see it on, on a movie. <laughs> is it too oh, American? <laughs> I, I think you know, that in every culture, in every company, I do. <clears throat> I believe that. Definitely. It, it, it would be great if uh, these things could happen in, in, the, in the real business world, but uh, cross fingers. You know, the good thing with the, with the military, but also with, uh, with the underwater environment, is that when you join, nobody cares about your background and who you are. So there is a very strict and uh, comprehensive training period in order to identify those three Cs. And this is why I was very impressed uh, when we first talked. And uh, uh, it was definitely the reason that uh, made me uh, ask you to uh, jump on this episode and have a further talk on and see what is 
what's going on with your uh, approach. Uh, let me let me jump in and just add to what you're saying. Thank you. I think military and and I'm sure the underwater uh, as well. Uh, they're ahead of most corporate uh, communities that I found uh, mm -hmm. in terms of like when you say when you have a squad that's underwater, it doesn't matter their race, their ethnicity, their background or whatever. That team is what matters. And and that you see is that would be lovely. You talk about fingers crossed. Uh, that would be lovely if that kind of mindset were instilled in corporate life as well. Definitely. I have experience in both fields, in the military and especially underwater, because, you know, there is a small difference comparing military and the underwater environment. The underwater environment, you are in danger and close to the line of death from, from the first second. So it is mandatory to have the courage while underwater with all these narcosis things and the gases and the biochemical uh, situations in your body to have the strength and the courage to either to give the leadership in order to uh, return up to the surface or to take the leadership from the one that is, uh, uh, is in charge. So uh, definitely this-, this because, lives, because lives are at stake. Exactly, it is a matter of life. And the, the interesting part is that nowadays, this island killer that has to do with the anxiety, with the stress, with all that stuff, you know, it is strange because people cannot see it. Um, in, in the water, you can see the death, the line that you're coming to enter death. But the problem nowadays, as I um, managed to see and identify, is that these silent killers, you cannot see them. And we are visual oriented. Uh, we are visual oriented at the end. Yes, so correct. Because we cannot see what's going on. This is why all these interesting things, uh, those three C's that you refer to, are very difficult to come on the surface and to talk about the, uh, of, of the change, of the culture change. Quite interesting, very, very interesting on how but we... But you know, what, what's interesting, you can't see it. Uh, and, and we're seeing a proliferation of anxiety and, and those kinds of uh, uh, silent killers. But I think people are, are sensing it. Mm -hmm. They're not taking action. They're not speaking up. Uh, and and that, uh, that concerns me. Um, it can be, in, that can apply in the corporate world. I, I have seen so many times where uh, an individual is in trouble okay. uh, psychologically, emotionally, and they're go but they're going to work every day and their co-workers may sense it, but nobody is taking action. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, like you said, and you're underwater, if somebody's in trouble, you've got a matter of seconds that action has to be taken. And I would hope that we would begin to do that uh, in everyday life as well. Hopefully. Let me come with another uh, question that uh, you you scratch it a bit, but uh, I want to uh, to put some time on. Sure. Uh, you you said that they take, for example, uh, sales managers and they put them in uh, leadership positions, and they start. We know that companies and organizations are offering trainings. They do seminars and all that stuff that um, uh, that are happening that are going around. Uh, why do you think that these seminars or this training is not um, as effective as it as we were waiting to be? 
That is an excellent question. And if I may, I want to take that question and make it even on a broader scale. Please. And I may say, I'm going to say something. You may not agree with it. And, and I find that a lot of people don't agree with what I'm about to say, but it's an enigma to me. Uh, there is so much information on leadership. Mm -hmm. Books and podcasts and seminars and all of these things about effective leaders. My question is, why aren't our leaders better? With so much information, you would think that the entire scope of societal leadership, both on the political, certainly the political uh, and um, uh, corporate level would be better. The question is, why isn't it? <laughs> That's a, I, I have wonder about that a lot because it really speaks to your, um, it speaks to your question on a, on a micro level. You take someone who's in sales and you try to train them to be managers and it doesn't seem to work. Why is this? If I had to point to one thing, and, and I think we need some more data on this, honestly, mm -hmm. I would point to one word, ego. Okay. Um, when you take somebody who is really, you know, they have just uh, soared in sales. They are sales geniuses. Mm -hmm. Well, they begin to believe that they're superheroes in some ways. You know, they, they get very prideful and, and nobody can tell me about sales because look at my numbers. Well, they bring that mindset into the management and they and, and there is this sense where, oh, I know all this stuff. I don't need this. Uh, you can't teach me anything. I can teach you. <laughs> I, I have to be fully transparent. I taught advanced leadership to doctoral students. And I found that a lot. I found that mindset a lot. They were more interested in telling me what they knew than learning. And I thought, man, this is, uh, this is not healthy. Uh, you, for management training or any kind of training to work, you have got to have people in there that want to learn, mm -hmm. that believe they can learn, <laughs> And have confidence that you have something to teach them, and that, and so that to me is the greatest failure because uh, the, they don't take it seriously. They think they know it all. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Definitely, it answers my question, and uh, I would put some something on top. I was reading a, a paper uh, a few days before that was saying that uh, the companies that are creating uh, innovation are just the seven percent globally just the seven percent so this made me think that okay uh taking under consideration the things that you just said that there are seminars yeah. books podcasts and so much knowledge about leadership wh what is going on with the rest of 93 percent and it make made me understand that it is exactly the same that uh happens in the healthcare system we now have the best doctors we have the best universities the best hospitals uh, but still, we have a lot of uh, deaths. Oh, yeah. oh, now you're getting to it. Okay. So what do you do with that? Right. Uh, um, me personally, you mean? Or uh, as a... You personally. The, the thing that I learned from the military and underwater. Okay. So let's 
this we are trying to do nowadays is to put the existing knowledge from their brain to their body because it's completely different when you have talk theory and when you have to sense theory when you have to take um, the, the ownership of the things that you talk and you do so um, during these procedures we are trying to uh, take you know these behavioral indicators and to focus on the uh, on, on the good stuff no nowadays it, it does not make any sense to talk for the to, to identify the good and the bad the bad have nothing to do so let's take the the good stuff the good uh, behavioral um, indicators of each participant let's say and let's work to uh, to structure a team that uh, will, will be able to work together and to be able to give the leadership, but also to take the leadership when uh, the things are, you know, kind of danger. danger. See, I love, I love what you just said, and I want to connect what you just said with some of the things I've been saying here. You talked about the difference between what's in your head and what's in practice, yeah. right? And I envision it as what's in your head and what's here in the core of your being. Mm. Very similar. Uh, okay. So the raw materials that I've talked about exist here. Yep. The techniques, the learning, all of that, that's cerebral. These are mm -hmm. concepts. These are where those, if where those two meet, you see, that's exactly yep. what you're talking about. It's, it's taking someone who has that heart, that ability, those natural instincts, but then training them, training them well, honing their abilities, just like I'm sure you saw in the military. You, you, uh, you took people who had natural leaders, leadership and you trained them to be better, to, uh, to, to implement those kinds of strategic uh, strategies that bring success. So you and I are in perfect agreement. Uh, let me say one more thing. When I talk about ego yeah. getting in the way of all this, that's why I say the most important of the raw materials is humility. Mm -hmm. That's not an Americanized, whimsical, feel-good, touchy-feely thing. That's essential. That means mm -hmm. I don't know. And you you come in saying I don't know everything, and I'm here to learn. What uh, What do you think about? Um, what is your opinion about resilience? Is it enough nowadays just to be resilient? Uh, when you say resilient, tell me, uh, say a little more about what you're, uh, how you're defining that. Um, on the way that the theory uh, defines it, to be able to accept the, um, the hit and to uh, recover, to continue from where you stopped uh, what you was doing. Uh, and your question is, how important is that? I'm asking because I strongly believe that nowadays this that we need to focus on is the performance under pressure. Yes. And resilience is not oh, yes. enough. Yes. I, I'm frankly concerned and, uh, and, uh, and I am going to address your question this way. Um, and this may be American. <laughs> so I'll apologize in advance. We're, you know, you've heard of the concept of quiet quitting. Yes, you uh, you've uh, we've heard more and more that uh, people are jumping jobs like they change clothes. Yeah, that's a great concern for me uh, because it creates a pattern to where 
if it gets hard, uh, if you take a hit, you just bail. And uh, I, boy, I have real issues with that. I think long-term, I think productivity, mm -hmm. uh, revenue will suffer because of this. So I don't know. Uh, I honestly don't know what the answer to that is. Um, it, it, uh, other than trying to, uh, when you hire, we could get, I mean, this is another podcast, <laughs> the whole issue of hiring in terms of assessing people. Uh, when you hire someone, when you're interviewing them, are you looking for resilience? Are you looking for someone who's been knocked down and had mm -hmm. to get up, uh, who's taken hits, who's had hardship and worked through them? I, my favorite people in the world are the ones who've been through hell and come through it. The ones who've been knocked down, they've been defeated, they've, they've really had trials, but somehow they've gathered that, that strength and they've gotten through it. That person is gold. And, and when, when they've got that kind of grit and determination and staying power, whew, hire them. <laughs> Find a place for them. <laughs> so last question before yeah. we end our today's episode. Sure. What would be the two, maximum three um, things that you would advise uh, both younger and older uh, leaders? Um, learn about the concept of wisdom, of making wise choices. What does that mean? Um, we don't have time to delve into that too much, but wisdom is uh, uh, in, in making wise choices, making wise decisions. Um, and I'll go back to the thing we just talked about um, um, previously. Uh, hang in. Uh, don't give up. Uh, you, you, when you've built something through hardship, then you've really built something. My, my wife and I have been married for 38 years. And I'm, I'm bringing that up because um, creating a good marriage is hard work. And, and we've been through hard times and we've been through good times, but we've stayed together. And the only reason I bring that up is because it's kind of a, in a, it's a, it's a lesson in what it takes to really build something of worth. And that's what I would say to younger and older people. Um, you, if you really want to build something of worth, it's going to cost you and it's going to be hard. But when you come out uh, at, the, at the other end, you have really done something worthy. And uh, that's what I would leave you with. <laughs> Hope that helps. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dr. Ken Reynolds. Thank you very much for being here today. My honor. I hope we get to do it again. Mm -hmm.